right. You ready? Let's do it. Okay, we should clap in. All right. Three, two, one. Oh my God. That was literally perfectly on time. Uh, cool, man. Matt, how's it going? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. It's, um, I won't reveal the day <laughs> for, for continuity purposes of the podcast, but I'm feeling good. Yeah, we're getting ahead. And, um, we're getting ahead of, the, ahead of the game a little bit here to make sure we always have a quality product to put out for you all. Barring right. any technical difficulties. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. How are you, I'm, man? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, it is a Sunday night. It's been a great weekend. It's been a really productive week. Um, so I'm excited to kind of jump into this one. And this is a um, this is a topic I had really been thinking about for a long time. Um, lately, you know, we've been listening to people and we've been liking what we've been doing with our Anything's Possible episodes. We're trying to focus on very solid topics, uh, something interesting, something cool that people might want to know about, um, and just bringing them to you guys, you know, um, doing the research, uh, finding the fun facts so you don't have to. You just have to come to us and hang out and, uh, and learn a thing or two. So I've been excited for this topic for a little while. It's near and dear to my heart with what I've been doing for, for a lot of my gaming career. Uh, I'm not sure, Matt. Have you ever played an MMORPG? I've dabbled. <laughs> okay, tell I've me, dabbled. Tell me, what have you dabbled in? Well, let me let me let me ask you this, Lucas. Does Neopets count? Ooh. Okay. Are you existing in the same persistent world at the same time with everybody else? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, Lucas. Does the greatest game of the 2000s, Club Penguin, count? Yes, that counts. Okay. <laughs> it does count. Unfortunately, that counts. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, that counts. It's just, it's Club Penguin's a meme, right? I mean, come on. Nah. Does Roblox, um, does Roblox count? Dude, honestly, I know next to nothing about Roblox. Isn't it? Isn't it just like I don't know. <laughs> All I know is they're I they either have an IPO, had a one recently, or it's going to be happening soon because Wall Street bets won't shut up about it sometimes. Oh my God, really? Um, well, we got to buy. We got to buy. Buy like calls. Holes, buy calls um, not financial advice. This is entertainment only. <laughs> um, no, no, no cap on God. The uh, including Club Penguin. Um, the, <laughs> The MMOs I've really dug into, I played a, I think like many of people our age probably played growing up. Um, you know, we're 25 right now. You're 26. No, I'm 24. Shit. Um, <laughs> we played a lot of RuneScape growing up. Um, still, we, we have still friends that it? still play RuneScape. Still playing it. And, um, I mean, that game defied my early, you know, like, that was like my, the biggest game I played growing up, my early years from like age 10 i had played on and off you know up until like high school really and really didn't stop playing consistently until like college uh, or stop playing until college nice um and then i i did a little bit of uh world of warcraft here and there only because i had free membership because i interned for blizzard for a little bit but honestly it never really did much for me personally mm-hmm. um i i tried elder scrolls online oh you did, did. oh I did. cool yeah um didn't do it for me again personally i think i think it's a game i probably would have loved when i was younger but i think i've my taste in games has just changed a little bit and i, I think that kind of style like that long form game barring something like valheim which isn't mmo 
Um, I don't think I enjoy that quite as much these days as I do say like a multiplayer experience. That's something like Valorant or TFT mm-hmm. or like I mentioned Valheim or something like that. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, my brief history. So the only one okay. I've really sunk my teeth into was uh, RuneScape. Okay. Do you want to... Got wanna... banned from RuneScape. Dang it. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Did you want to talk <laughs> about the ban and how, how you're the yeah. most wanted yeah. man in so, RuneScape? There's um. If if you go into the old school RuneScape servers, there's a there's a story people know. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you go if you go to the Grand Exchange and if you type in, have you heard the tale of Vodka Ninety Nine? <laughs> Legend has it everyone it just goes silent. There's no no more there's no more fifty gold pieces for a bronze scimitar. No, it's just silent because everyone knows. You're not supposed to talk about that. Daddy Jagex gets mad. Um, <laughs> so, I, my neighbors and I, we all played together, and then they told me about they told me about this thing called botting, macroing, scripting, what have you. Um, and of course, you know, I was in high school at this point. I'm like, I don't got time to cut wood all day. <laughs> um, I gotta have a bot do it for me. And for those that aren't familiar, a bot or a script, whatever you want to call it. Basically, you you it's a program you run, and then it um, controls your account for you while you're away to do like more menial tasks, say like fletching or like basically like just the the busy tasks that you won't wouldn't want to maybe do while you're playing the whole time. Um, and I used it to get 99 wood cutting, and then I was using it to <laughs> when I got caught. I was using it to do fletching, which is when you spin flax into bowstring. Um, and that, that's what I was doing at that time. And what happened was I actually got a warning before I got banned, believe it or not. I didn't realize it was a warning because I was at like 60 fletching, I think. And then I didn't check my messaging. I saw there was a message in there, but my, my <laughs> fletching skill level got reset by like 20. Like it went down to like, it got lowered by 20. So it went down from like 60 to 40. And I was like, huh <laughs> and i was like i must be tripping it must have always been that low or something i didn't think twice about it but little did i know that was actually my warning from jagex the creators of runescape um and of course i, I didn't know any better so i just kept fletching um i'm, I'm cracking up over here. It's the funniest <laughs> story i've ever heard and so uh i kept fletching and then you get hit with the uh your account has been banned for, for macroing, for botting. <laughs> you get hit um, with the ban hammer, dude. And, of course, I tried emailing them, pretending to be my parents, saying, oh, Matthew is so sad he lost his account. He learned his mistake. Can you do anything for him? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, that didn't work. Um, and that is how the legend of Vodka 99, um, how he died. Yeah, that's how it yeah. goes in these parts. Yeah, okay. That was like my first gamer tag, by the way, too. Vodka, Vodka 99. 99. <laughs> Mind you... It was vodka ninety nine with vodka spelt incorrectly. <laughs> I spelt it vod like vodsa v o d c a. <laughs> vodsa ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> vodsa ninety nine, the legendary uh, man that went down flaxing. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's my um, fletching in RuneScape. Right. Fletching. Yeah. So, Matt, you know you were uh, just a young gamer in a long line of gamers that played what we call MMORPGs, uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing games. Um, a video game genre that has come and 
some people could argue has come and gone um, in a large way in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, but it didn't start with World of Warcraft, a lot of people believe. Um, the you know 2004 release uh, by Blizzard, one of the biggest, biggest games on the planet. Everyone's at least kind of like the flagship for the genre. For sure, for sure. And I'm going to get to that. But this is about the history of MMORPGs. And I wanted to talk about some of the lesser known games that kind of got it all off the ground. Uh, so if you'll if you'll indulge me, if you'll listen to me, let me let me tell you about a little game from 1974 called 74. Maze War. Okay, so it's 1974. You know, um, there's a lot going on. You know, it's a weird time. Video games are not really they're taking their first steps out of that cave and walking on land with two feet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we're still trying to figure out what games are. Pong kind of has been around for a little bit. Computers are not really in the home yet. Um, but they're at, you know, academic places, they're in colleges, they're at universities. Some nerds are just, they're just nerds on the computers in 1974, you know, and we don't really respect them yet, you know? They're not like us yet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. This is the early phase, you know, where not only were video games not really a thing, but computers were hardly even, they weren't even cool at all. You didn't even want to. I mean. Nerds used computers. I mean, the, the. The computer and the calculator you use for your math class was, is stronger than whatever they had back then, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, Maze Wars, a 1974 game, it was the first game to connect computers to a server and have people interact with each other. At least the first one that we that we talk about. Okay, now this game, Maze Wars, did a lot. Um, you would be in a maze with other players connected to a server. Um, this is a huge convention of the genre, what I'm about to describe. Uh, you would put inputs on your computer and it would communicate those inputs to a server and then those inputs would be seen by other players. Um, that is what every MMO actually does. It's what a lot of online games do where you are inputting via your client, your video game you know, program, inputting inputs to the server. The server is reading it, registering it, and spitting it back out as an output. And, um, you know, online games are processing millions, if not billions of inputs, you know, all day, right? So this was obviously very rudimentary. It was very few computers linked up to each other. And it was where you were in actually a maze with people, first person, and you were trying to shoot each other. Uh, You can move uh, forward, left, or right, and you could shoot. (laughs) And check corners, I believe, and open doors, if I recall correctly. I just did a quick uh, Google search, and it's even considered the first first-person shooter. Yeah, it is. The, the grandfather, if you will, of Call of Duty. That's right. It's That's right. Strike. The great, yeah, exactly. I mean, 30 years before it, which is really crazy. Um, influenced a lot of first-person games. Uh, the Maze War style view was adopted for Moria in 1975, which was also another early RPG, uh, and then further popularized by Ultima and Wizardry. Um, and, you know, this was one of the first games also – and there's some big features here. First person 3D game. First time to do that. An avatar. Here's something we take for granted like crazy. Um, Matt, let me ask you this. In Pong, what are you? Who? Do, what do you play as in Pong? The paddle. The paddle or the person controlling the paddle or you don't play as anybody really, right? Subjective. Yeah, subjective. It's a god game. I've heard that before. Um, so this is what's interesting. This game, Maze War, was where players were actually su- an actual being, an organic being, which I think is really interesting. I mean, we take it so much for granted. You're always playing as a character in a video game. You're always playing as a person or, an, or some sort of being. But 
Pong, you weren't a being. You know, you were a paddle or you were someone that was kind of controlling. You're God. Whatever. You're God, whatever. <laughs> so it had to start somewhere, right? And I know. It's so weird. It's such a strange. I'm just, uh, what? I'm just thinking of like in every documentary when it's like talking about some like businessman that creates something that they, they didn't like mean to create. It's like, we didn't know what we were doing. We were kids. We were gods. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I've heard that before. <laughs> okay. So uh, Maze War. It uh, it did client server network play, uh, which is super cool. It created avatars. It did first person 3D. This is a precursor to MMOs. Okay, around this time we also see another long forgotten video game genre. Matt, have you heard of an MUD or a MUD? Um, other than what I bathe in every night. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. So an MUD, a multi-user multi-user dungeon. It's a game style, it's a game genre, it's a text-based game, usually involving a fantasy setting. Elements of PvP, dialogue choices, online chat, RPG elements. So picture you playing a text-based game, and you've seen text-based games before. You choose Mm -hmm. to walk north, you choose to walk north, choose to walk to the forest, choose to fight the the goblin, whatever. Imagine that in a multiplayer setting. Um, So you're able to interact with people, sort of like a chat room. You're able to trade with people. You have dialogue choices. There's plenty of RPG elements, stats, fighting, uh, all that really cool stuff that we know in MMORPGs today, but in a text-based game, an MUD. Fascinating. Super, super fascinating, long-forgotten genre. Yeah, I don't, I mean, you don't see that anymore. I mean, like, obviously, why would you with what we have, the technical capabilities, but yeah. kind, of, kind of a pioneer of um, the... Like choose your own adventure genre as well, right? Yeah. And honestly, I, I that'd be that'd be a good afternoon for me just digging playing some of those older games because I mean that's my favorite genre of games pretty much is like the choose your own adventure thing. So yeah, I wonder how you would like like a text based choose your own adventure style narrative game. I'm I'm sure that it's I bet like, I'd like it honestly because I mean yeah. even growing up I loved the Goosebumps books where it was you know turn to page so whatever if you and then you die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, that's functionally the same thing. It's reading. It's text-based, right? Yeah, yeah. And I bet, you know, different. You know, when, when you play some of these old games, at least um, some of those old isometric games, there was so much care put into the writing, like the actual writing, that you're basically reading, like, very good. Like, you're reading good books, you know? Yeah. Like, the, the writing in Outer Worlds is funny, right? But it's, it's secondary to the gameplay and the game feel and the mechanics, but... Back then in those games, I mean, reading was like 80% of what you were doing. So the writing was really good. Um, I mean, that was one of the main draws, right? So it had to be, you know, um, commercial grade, right? Yeah, (laughs) commercial grade writing, exactly. Basically writing like you're reading a long novel, you know. In fact, um, side note, you know, one of the games that I've been trying to to really finish and play for the pod um, is uh, Planescape Torment, which is considered to be, it's a 90s uh, isometric RPG game set in the D&D universe. that game is considered to be uh, the greatest video game story of all time for a lot of people. It would be a 10,000-page book, I've, I've heard. So if, it were to, if the dialogue in that game were to be put into a book, it would be about 10,000 pages, um, which is longer than Infinite Jest, you know? If, I, if my math checks out, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, Bro, I don't know if we're, that's, a long, that's a long commitment of a game. You're not reading, reading 10,000 pages, though. You're probably reading, like, you know, 1,000 pages or less. Yeah. Uh, it's 10,000 pages of potential dialogue choices. But still, I mean, that's a lot of writing. 
It's you know, incredible. some of these yeah. some of these games. I mean, we we live in an era where writing in video games is actually downplayed. So back then, I mean, it it's probably a dead art, really, of like video game text based writing. So these older MUDs and some of these older choose your own adventure games are probably like, you know, there's probably a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, but anyway, uh, big di- big. Uh, I, we digress. Um, <laughs> So MUDs are a huge precursor um, to the genre for MMORPGs as well. Um, in fact, two key individuals were very big on MUDs back in the day, both as players and developers. Um, Raf Koster, um, who is actually the lead, the, was lead developer credited for Ultima Online, uh, which is a late 90s game I'm going to get into in a second. Um, and Brad McQuaid, EverQuest Online, he developed MUDs in this era as well. Um, and EverQuest is another big MMORPG uh, predating World of Warcraft that came out yeah. in the late 90s as well. A lot of people know EverQuest. People know Ultima, I think, a little bit less, um, unless you're, you were like a hardcore PC gamer at that time. A lot of them, Ultima was very big. Um, but fun fact, Raf Koster, the lead of Ultima Online, is the author of a book that's been on the book list for quite a long time, Matt, uh, A Theory of Fun. Um, the one oh. that I was, uh, yeah, the one that we got. I do want to read we, that still. Yeah. Yeah. So Raf Koster is an old school video game guru guy and, you know, has been around since before MMORPGs existed. So he knows a thing or two. Um, so we will be reading that at a certain point. Um, fast forward to 1985. Okay. 10 years after May's war and the MUDs have kind of run rampant for a generation. Um, the, <laughs> it's just so crazy. A game comes out in 74, and the next innovation is made in 1985. I mean, just telling you how fast video games move nowadays. I yeah, mean, things were moving slow back then. Uh, so 1985 comes around, and an MMORPG is developed by LucasArts. The first commercial scale, like the first attempt at a full-scale commercial online community. Um it's such an ambitious project. I could not believe this game. I, the more I read about it, the more I was really blown away. So um, it's a graphic-based online world called Habitat, okay? okay. And, th- and this game was made, made available on the Commodore 64 um, using Quantum Link, an online service for the Commodore 64, which was actually pre-AOL, okay? So the Commodore 64... We're going uh, pre-AOL. Pre-AOL. The dark ages. It's, it's a considered a graphical MUD. So a graphic-based, uh, you know, kind of like the games that we're talking about, but it's set in a town setting. Okay, so it's already kind of off to an interesting start. It's You have to pay per hour to play this game because of server costs. Okay, what? How and, much did it cost? Uh, I couldn't find anything substantial. I'd have to uh, go down the Google rabbit hole on that one, but I'm That's sure we can find it. And it was only available on weekends, apparently. So the server was turned on on weekends, and you could play on weekends, and that was it. I'm blown away right yeah. now. That's yeah, insane. and it was a game where you took it took place in a town. The player can choose to write, uh, you know, I walk right, I walk left, I walk north, I walk south. You can trade with other players. You can rob other players. Um, it had, there was currency in there. There was items. Uh, you could even murder other players. There was like ultimate freedom in this game. So, oh, mic arm hit. One. Yeah, no, that was. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, people, people get it. People know that it's a mic arm hit. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, now the players were able to like literally murder each other and take each other's things. So the game community actually created rules and laws to govern 
this world. So unofficial rules were put in place in this world. Like, hey, you can't murder or else like you're going to get kicked off the server. That kind of thing. You were still able to do it, but you'd get kicked off. Um, and then GMs, game masters, lived inside that world, but they had unlimited hit points. They couldn't die. Sure. Right? So yeah. super interesting um, set of events going on there. Um, Habitat, you know, it's it was costly. It only ran on weekends. It was such an ambitious project. This is LucasArts, right? So, oh, there's another mic arm hit. Just stop. Just stop. Just sit still. It wasn't my <laughs> mic arm. I hit my the bottom of my... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So, all right. We got a we got a pr another MMORPG, a true one, okay, one that's graphic based, so you can interact with other players. You have an avatar. You're able to have freedom to fight each other, kill each other, trade with people, all the regular elements for an MMO. But it's not quite to scale just yet, okay. Fast forward ten years later again to 1997, Ultima Online comes around. Uh, now I got a brother-in-law. His name is Tim. Tim, if you're listening. I know your ears must be bleeding because you are an Ultima guy. Um, Ultima Online uh, definitely captured a whole generation of gamers in the 90s. Um, now, it was, um, this is, again, early MMO stuff. So it's, right. I remember people being called out for World of Warcraft in like 2006, 2007 for World of Warcraft being a really nerdy game. So if you were playing Ultima 10 years before that, God bless you. Must have been pretty hard. Uh, so, uh, you know, MMOs were considered to be just the ultimate nerdy game, but Ultima like kind of hit a sweet spot where the PvP was really great. Leaned heavily into that. Um, it's had iterations. It's still around. Um, it's gotten re-releases, new game engine overhauls, all that good stuff. Matt, this is 1997, pre Windows 2000, pre Windows XP. Okay, so can you imagine like? You had to, it was dial-up. Like you had to make sure that no one answered the phone while you were playing this video game. That is insane. The infrastructure yeah, that, was that's not That's like, there. so, I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking back, you know, the problem like we had growing up with games was, you know, you're, you're playing, <laughs> excuse me, you're playing around of Nazi zombies on, right, with your friends. Yeah. And then your mom says, oh, come, you know, come help me with whatever. And you're like, mom, I, I can't, I can't pause. Yeah. It's I, not I a game. It's not, it's not, not like that kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> and then the conversation instead becomes, mom, get off the, get off get the, the phone. fucking phone. <laughs> yeah. Grandma can wait. <laughs> exactly, dude. So that's nutty. It's, I cannot believe like people like were able to play MMOs back then. Like they did the internet infrastructure wasn't there. Internet speeds were slow. Things were expensive. You had to have a computer to play this. It was such a different world and people still managed to squeeze out their love for MMORPGs, which I find very endearing. Um, a couple of years later, 1999, you get EverQuest. Okay. The game that's kind of breaking through. Um, people know EverQuest even today. I think people, a lot of people mistakenly considered this to be the first MMO, which is pretty cool, right. or pretty crazy or cool, however you want to view it. But EverQuest uh, captured the, the imagination of a lot of people at the time. You know, this was 1999 or 2000, so internet was already getting exponentially better than it was in the mid-90s. Um, you know, you probably were playing this on a better operating system than you played Ultima. Um, so things were improving, okay? Now, 2001, you get the browser-based, Java-based, legendary video game, RuneScape. Okay, we can go off on RuneScape. That was my first MMORPG. In 2000, Fantasy Star Online came out. Okay, okay, missed out on that one. Um, I'm actually not sure if that's considered a full MMO, though. So. I'm not sure. Um, that might be like um, 
you know, he's just the... online art. I redact. Okay, he redacts. Um, so in, two, in 2001, we get RuneScape. I started playing RuneScape in 2005, so I didn't realize how early on I kind of was. Um, RuneScape was browser-based, so it, it had a whole different appeal. You know, you were able to play it on your computer without having to download anything. I think that was a big deal for a lot of people. Um, you know, really low graphic uh, style that still kind of holds up to this day if you play old-school RuneScape like a lot of the friends out there do. Um, yeah, I mean, really quickly, too, it being browser-based was so... I think that's one of the reasons it was so largely appealing because yeah. I mean, anyone could play it. Like, even... Because, I mean, growing up, I mean, I... I didn't have like any sort of like PC gaming capabilities. Obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to convince your parents of that to like, you know, buy a higher end yeah. PC or whatever when you're younger like that. Um, so having like that entry into the world, cause like even my computer when I was growing up, wouldn't have been able to run like, wow, World of Warcraft well. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you gotta think things like that is really what contributed to the success of a game like RuneScape, right? Yeah. And RuneScape, RuneScape is fun, was fun, you know? Um, I, I, I always, I get out there in the occasional RuneScape, uh, old school RuneScape kick, you know, every couple of years, it seems like at this point. And, you know, it's kind of just like a, a great community. It's a fun game. It's an old game. Um, and it's charming in a weird way, you know? And you can play it on your phone now. You can play it on your tablet or on your computer. And um, it's always going to be there. That's kind of how, I, good old RuneScape is kind of how I feel about it at this point. So good for them. Um, but here's the thing, 2004 rolls around and you get the big boy. All right. You get world of Warcraft, the MMO RPG. Um, yeah. MMOR, it's just no, there's just nothing. Uh, it's just the biggest, um, it's been around consistently long. It's probably made the most money. Um, it's just, it's the biggest, uh, it's world of Warcraft. Second only to sword art online. Oh, <laughs> wait. Is that the name of the game in the show, or in the, in the, the series? Name of both. Oh, okay, okay, damn. The show and the in the game. game. <laughs> okay. Well, too bad we can't jump into World of Warcraft like they can in that in that series, but yeah. maybe one day. Um, okay, so World of Warcraft. Now, here's the fun. Here's the funny thing. World of Warcraft was really, really big in 2004. It got a huge player base very quickly. It was already running off of an existing IP that was very popular, which was Warcraft. Blizzard, which had proven itself with StarCraft, Warcraft, Diablo, The Lost Vikings, for God's sake, uh, one of the forgotten Blizzard classics from the Super Nintendo, shout out Lost Vikings. Um, so Blizzard knew a thing or two about video games. It makes World of Warcraft, uh, blows everything else out of the water, and it's still one of the most consistently played games with getting expansions on average, I'd say two to three years of consistently updating its game. Um, and they recently re-released for the vanilla. vanilla yes, wow as well. and so popular. Yeah. The vanilla WoW version has even been re-released, and they're even thinking about doing a Burning Crusade release as well. It's pretty interesting. Um, here's the funny thing: WoW required less time to grind than other MMOs at that time. So classic really? WoW is notoriously like, oh my god, I just got to kill boars, like <laughs> kind of thing. And in fact, in WoW, in classic vanilla WoW. There's actually not enough quests to give enough experience to level up to the maximum of 60. So you actually are forced to grind. Just you, kill boys. Yeah, like that wasn't a joke. I mean, I know it's the yeah, South Park yeah. joke, but that really was not a joke. Like you had to kill thousands of mobs to get to max level in World of Warcraft. It was like a rite of passage. And that was that was like oh that was good for the time. Before that, it was right. like in the other games, it was even worse, apparently. So that's I found that very, very interesting in my research. 
Um, you know, WoW's done a great job of incorporating great world building, faction, storyline, PvP, balancing PvP with PvE, great classes, races, just an awesome overall world and some good music. Um, and, you know, I think what's kept people coming back is just the consistent updates to the world, um, the consistent game changing over and over um, it's done a great job of doing that. You know, every few years you can come back and play World of Warcraft and it's like a new game again. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. keeps people, that's the sustainability, that's what keeps people coming. And every game, I remember for a long time, I don't know if you remember this, but I'd say from 2008 to 2016, every MMO was the wow killer. Every single MMO was going to take it down. I remember there's a game called Perfect World, Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, Final Fantasy 14. Like Elder uh, Scrolls Online, Elder Scrolls Online, the, the Star Wars Online, one? The, the Star Wars, the Knights of the Old Republic yeah. Online. Every game was yeah. going to kill WoW, and none of them have. And a lot of those games have actually shut down their servers and like mm-hmm. just fully closed the doors and given up. Like it's insane that WoW has stayed as persistent as it has. Now, this is you know the, the title of this podcast episode is you know history of MMORPGs. We're not going to be able to cover all of them. You know, I didn't even touch on Maple Story, which is another one that I played. Um, I didn't even touch on, you know, we didn't really touch on Club Penguin, which has its own little weird subculture as a, as an online game as well. Yeah. Um, and there was all a million RPGs that kind of came and died in in short spans over the years. But the MMORPG, I think what happened is WoW sets the example of just what it can really do. And for a generation, it went from being like this nerdy thing that like if you're playing WoW, you're like the nerdiest gamer category right because like 2004 i mean you could be playing cod you could be playing counter-strike you know but if you're playing wow you're just you're just a nerd and all that stuff uh and it's kind of tied like the the nerdiness factor is so tied closely to mmorpgs but over the years it has become such a casual experience that playing wow is not even really like as nerdy of a thing anymore because like it doesn't require as much of a time sink for one and nerds are not really nerds anymore anyway. Well, that's what I was, I was about to say. I mean, like, is a nerd even, like... Uh, is a nerd in that sense even a thing anymore, right? Not really. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Big Bang Theory, for that. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if right. I want to give credit to that for that one, but okay. <laughs> but, but point being, you know, uh, it's just been such a mainstay for so long that everybody at least knows somebody or they themselves have played a good amount of WoW. I think that's yeah. a, that's a big statement right there, um, and it's it's changed it's changed the landscape of what video games are able to do. It's probably led to a lot of infrastructure changes as far as like how games need to function as far as standard. We need to be online, persistent all the time, twenty four hours a day, no exceptions. Um, and yeah, um, I want to leave you with something though, Matt. Okay, and I want to just kick off the conversation after this history lesson. MMO games. The number of them coming out, um, it's declined a little bit, wouldn't you say? Last five years, six years or so? At uh, the very least, they don't get nearly as much attention. Yes, that's right. So there's probably a lot that go like under the radar now, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. Now, many games close servers, they end, they close doors. Um, in lieu of what is the new big trend of game that's they're all trying to cannibalize each other and eat each other, the BR game, the Battle Royale game. You know, this is the new game where it's like, you, it used to be, okay, this MMO is like, wow, except you can fly. 
And it's like, yo, okay, we got to go play that one now. And then yeah. now it's like, okay, this game's like Fortnite, Fortnite? but yeah. you can yeah. fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, now this game is Fortnite, but you don't build. Oh, yo. Okay, so it's like everything. So like, we're back to PUBG. A, bi- yeah, yeah. A, big, a, big, a big thing, and I find this so interesting with video games, is a big tentpole game will come out and take over everything, right? wow or fortnite and now every game that comes out within that genre is simply existing to compare itself or iterate or be that game except that game plus this you know so we're we in all the innovation that we saw with mmos they have now mmos have now settled into the place right wow has become a very casual game that you can play i could probably log in like you literally make a wow account and you just get a max level character like you just buy you just get one like if you buy the new expansion i don't know if you knew that but like you just get to experience the end game content right away everything's expedited xp is gained like i feel kind of weird about that it's weird right yeah well it's because all the content that's created in something like WoW, like 90% of the content is all endgame content. It's like bosses at the end, it's raids, it's PvP. Raids, yeah. And the leveling stuff is that they made that content years ago. So they want people to, when they buy the new expansion, they get a max level character and they immediately play. Yeah. It's yeah. good because it, well, it's debatably good because it gets rid of the grind of having to get there and it gets you to the point where you can just kind of enjoy the game. But the grind is also what once made the MMORPG what it was considered, a nerdy basement dwellers video game that you played all day. Now you can yeah. log into WoW for 30 minutes a night, have a good time, you know, when you're off work, and call it a day, call it an evening. Do that a few times a week and still be able to keep up and have a good time with WoW. Um, you know, I so I, I think it's interesting how the MMORPG genre has evolved. RuneScape, for God's sake, it's like a game where you're trying not to play it, which I think is hilarious. Like, <laughs> the whole... Point, point in case. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yo, I got a bot getting 99 woodcutting, but, like, you're not playing the game, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just this weird thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I I like the anal- or the comparison you brought up with... Um, how like you know with with the rpgs when those were coming out mmos when those were coming out on mass how it was the conversation was oh this is like world of warcraft but and then so on and so forth yeah and then now it's the, with the battle royales and it's you know i mean it's a case of every developer and every publisher trying to get a piece of the pie but then they just try and change the formula a little bit by you know adding a different topping or a different whatever right yeah. um and i mean i think that's going to be something that we kind of see persist in cycles um, yeah. throughout gaming you know i mean and who knows what's next after you know battle royales right maybe we go back to mmos maybe they have a huge resurgence maybe there's maybe there is the next wow that actually does you know is crazy good and brings everyone back you know yeah that'd it's be uh interesting and r- really quickly I, I did forget to mention i do want to give one more shout out <clears throat> to one of the mmos i played growing up um it's i i doubt you've heard of it it's called the ninja rpg what mm-hmm it is a text-based browser MMO based off the um, Naruto universe, but rather than like being directly in the universe, it's like its own version. So it has like its own unique hidden villages, it has its own unique like landscape and things like that, and completely browser-based um, MMO. And like the way it would work is, you know, you like there's like a grid that you can see like oh you're moving to square so and so, oh you encountered this at so and so. 
Oh, cool. And they have like an academy phase where you're leveling up through the academy. And then if you have an encounter, you can battle people through like the text-based type of stuff. Um, you have the chance to get like a, a Keke Genkai, which for, doesn't launch Naruto, like a special ability unique to like a, a bloodline. Um, super underrated, I think probably not well-known text-based MMO that I sunk a lot of hours into growing up. You think it's still around? I just I checked while we were, yeah it's still around. Oh okay yeah. okay so hey yeah. any any uh, what's it called the ninja RPG the ninja yeah it's text based browser MMO um, the ninja dash RPG Okay if anybody if anybody listens to this podcast and is playing that game please write in we'd love to hear about your experiences on that and uh, with that being said Matt where would they write in? Ooh. They can write in at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. They can also find us social media, TFP Podcasts, TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of Anything's Possible on MMORPGs. Matthew, go ahead and sign us off. All right, everyone. As always, this has been Anything's Possible. Wait, that's not how we do that's this. That's not one. how we do it. No, no, you got it. You got oh. You got to go back. All right, no, go. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah, well, uh, Matt, go ahead and go. Matt, go <laughs> ahead and sign us off. That's all we got today, folks. And remember, anything's possible. <laughs>